Today we're going to conclude our summer in the Psalms. And I thought the best way to conclude it would be with the last Psalm. So take your Bible and find Psalm 150. You've already heard it as our call to worship. You've heard it this morning as our scripture reading. And I believe we've heard it even through our songs as well. But in Psalm 50, we find six verses that conclude this amazing collection of prayers and songs. And let's, let's read it. If you found Psalm 150, say word. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I'm going to break down this psalm in six parts. The first one is the command to praise. The command to praise. And what verse do I see that in? I see it in every verse. As a matter of fact... In these six verses, I've counted the word praise 13 times. You look and see if you can find something different. 13 times in these six verses, I found the word praise. And what you're going to notice is that this word praise is an imperative word. It is a command. It is a call. It is a challenge from God's word, from the psalmist to us. And he wrote this saying, anyone who hears my words or reads my words, you praise the Lord. Y'all saw in verse 1 there as we read where it says, praise ye the Lord in, in the King James here. The word ye or you is not even necessary because when he says praise the Lord, he's saying you praise the Lord. That's what he's saying. And so it is an imperative, it's a command for all of us who are believers to praise him. You see here that I gave you a definition of praise. Praise is a joyful recounting of all that God has done for us. A joyful recounting of all that God has done for us. And throughout the scriptures there are numerous times when people are told to praise the Lord, but most of those we find, of course, in scripture are, are, are in Psalms. And I won't read them all to you, but I have many here. We're told to praise Him um, with instruments, shouting, dance, singing, with our words. Even the angels and heavenly hosts are commanded to praise Him. And as I was kind of reading through Psalm 150 myself, the question popped in my mind, and, and the question was, where does praise begin? Like, for us as believers, where does it begin? And then I wrote down this statement. Praise starts 
with a heart that acknowledges that God is worthy. He's worthy. An illustration of this, um, most of us in this room have been to sporting events, whether it's t-ball or junior high, high school, college, professional, and have you ever been to a game and you see a, a child playing a sport and you're like, that's not their sport. <laughs> like, they're, they're not, you know, I, I've seen that with my own kids in t-ball. I'm like, yep, that's not going to be that kid's sport, right? You already knew. Um, at the same time, have you ever been to a game and see a kid and you're like, wow, that kid is meant to do this. That player is meant to do this. As a professional, right, you see the greatest professional athlete performing, you're like, wow, that person is, 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 worth, is worthy of recognition. I thought about back when Michael Phelps had his amazing run in swimming. And I remember one night, I don't know, the family had went somewhere. I was home by myself on my couch with my TV up there watching the Olympics. And the next thing I know, I'm standing in front of the TV yelling, go, go, go. And this guy's swimming in water. Never in my life have I cared about swimming, but all of a sudden we're celebrating this guy for swimming. Why? Well, he was representing our country, but also he was amazing at it. it. We knew we were seeing greatness. And when we see greatness, we tend to praise it. And we say that athlete or that thing or that person is worthy of our admiration, worthy of our, our praise. And so when it comes to God, obviously higher than any athlete, or any person in this world we could ever acclaim, we, we start with a heart that says, my God is worthy of my praise. And if you don't have that heart, and that heart that he's given you, right, that new birth and salvation through Christ, if you don't have that, then you won't see him worthy of praise. One thing that's been difficult in my ministry over the last 20 years is for more than half of that time, instead of the pastor, I was the, the, the music person. And that's how I kind of got started. And it would, be so, it would be so discouraging as someone leading music when everybody would kind of sit out there just like, you know, this, or nobody's singing, or nobody cares. Or you say, would y'all please stand? And people are like, here we go again, you know. And that was most of my life, uh, which is probably why I'm the way that I am. But it was tough trying to get people to sing and trying to get people to worship. And I used to like, why don't, why don't they just want to sing? Why don't they just want to worship? Why don't they want to do this or that? And, and some people, I guess there are various reasons. And it's not just singing, by the way. It could be serving, giving, helping, whatever. But I come to realize that there's only so much I could do for that person until they dis discover and decide that God is worthy of their praise. They're not going to truly give him praise. There's only so much I can do. I can pray for them. I can preach to them. I can even... Um, display other acts of praise, but until they see Christ as worthy, they will not praise him as worthy. And so I pray that this morning across this room, we all see our God as worthy of our praise. I mean, he's worthy of much more than just our praise, right? He's worthy of our very lives. But we give him praise. So praise the Lord. That's our command. And the object of our praise, and Jason actually touched on this in Sunday school, the object of our praise, the audience of our praise, is the Lord. Praise Him. I'm not the audience, you're not the audience, right? He is the audience.
Church, there's a clear command in Scripture for us to recount joyfully all that God has done. Number two, notice the place of praise. The place of praise. In verse 1, he says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Now, we understand that throughout the course of history, the idea of worshiping God in certain places has kind of changed. And in the Old Testament, they started in the tabernacle, which was like this moving tent of worship. And they eventually built a temple, which was a more permanent place of worship. Um, we know in the New Testament there were synagogues and other places they would meet to worship. We know in the book of Acts, the, the New Testament church would even worship at times from house to house. And throughout church history, it's kind of developed into buildings like this, where groups of believers meet together and worship once or twice a week, and they set aside this place for, um, for that specific purpose. And so we see that praising together is important. It's important to praise together. And so I want to talk about that for a moment. Praising in the church. It's important, number one, because God has commanded it. God has commanded it. Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We are called to praise God together. It's important because it guides us toward truth. It guides us toward truth to be a part of a group of believers who hold to the Bible and as we worship with this group of believers and praise with this group of believers, we are much more likely to be led down the right path toward the truth of God's word. People who say, I'm just going to worship at home or worship here or there, they're much more likely to fall into error if they don't have elders and others to encourage them and guide them toward the truth. And the third thing you see there is praising together is important because it, it encourages us. It encourages us to come together, to sing, to pray, to share, and to just know we are all here on the same team, to know we're all here for the same purpose, to worship the one and only true God. Some days we come and we might not feel good, right? Some days I come and I may not feel good, or I may not feel like completely like I even want to sing, or like I even want to do some of these things, but... We all come together and we are encouraged to do it. You might say, well, I, I just get tired of doing certain things as far as church goes. Again, that's why we come together to be encouraged by one another. And so I, I, I want you to see there that praising together as a church is important, but I want you to see that much more importantly and or just as important in the New Covenant Established by Christ, we don't only praise in this building, do we? No, Scripture tells us in Hebrews 8 that Jesus serves his people in a sanctuary in the heavens. In 2 Corinthians 6, we see that Jesus makes his sanctuary among his people collectively. In 1 Corinthians 3, we see that Jesus makes his sanctuary in the individual believer. We are the temple of God, right? And in Revelation 21, we see that ultimately Jesus himself will be the sanctuary of God among his people. And so we can praise everywhere, right? We praise God at home. We can praise God at work. We can praise God at the ball field. We can praise God everywhere we go. We can recount the good works of God everywhere. So let the place 
Let the place of praise for you on Sunday morning from 9.45 to 11.30 be right here, right? And on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30, let it be in there. But let the place of praise for all of us be wherever we go every single day. The third one. The third part of this is the reason to praise. Look at verse 2. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So two things there, his mighty acts and his excellent greatness. And so acts are things that God has done. Greatness is just who God is. And so we say it this way, we praise God for who he is and what he has done. We praise him for who he is and what he has done. I made a list here. Who is he? Who is God? Who is this one who is worthy of our praise? He is first triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is eternal. He is infinite, which means he is not limited by time or space. He is creator. He is sovereign. He is holy, righteous, just, and judge. He is loving, gracious, merciful, kind. He is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He is immutable, which means he does not change. He is transcendent, which means he's above all. And he's imminent, which means he's also close. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. And he is incomprehensible. And that's just a little touch of who he is. And to us, God is these things. And we say, I worship you, I praise you because you are creator. You are sovereign. You are holy. You are righteous. What has he done? Again, I have a long list. What has he done? I'll just give you a few, though, this morning. He has created all things. In his power, right, took nothing and created everything. Made man from the dust that he himself had created, that God had created. So he created, he, we praise him for his actions, his action of election and seeking out those whom he would save. We, we praise him for his act of sending his only son, Christ. We praise Christ, right, for living a perfect life, for dying a sacrificial death. We praise God for regeneration whereby he takes out our sinner's heart and puts in a new righteous heart where he where he makes us become alive in christ he makes a dead sinner spiritually become alive we praise him for justification whereby he makes the guilty declared innocent because of christ we praise him for sanctification whereby he makes us less and less like the world and more and more like christ and that's just a few the reason to praise Verse 1, praise him in the firmament of his power. and That means his mighty heavens. We see him in the mighty heavens. We see his creation. We praise him for his mighty acts. We praise him for his greatness. None of us can say this morning, I just don't know any reasons to praise God. <laughs> right? No. There are so many reasons that we can't really count them all. He deserves our praise. Number 4. Notice the diversity of praise. In verses 3 through 5, he mentions these various instruments. 
He also throws dance in there. You can look at those. Uh, I have preached this before where I went through every single instrument and talked about each one for a while. I'm not going to do that this morning. I thought about bringing some up. We actually have most of these, uh, some of these instruments back in the back, but I decided not to do that either. thought about having Jason play the tambourine this morning or something, but we didn't do that. But I want you to see the diversity of praise in Scripture. The diversity, the different ways that people praise and the different instruments used. And again, this, this, I cannot read this text without going back to my past. And I've told y'all some of these stories, but I'm going to share them again. I remember when I was probably 19 years old, I learned guitar really quickly from my mentor just so that I could, because I wanted to play in church. I wanted to be helping lead music and things. And so we were asked to do a camp, and we went to a camp at Gulf Coast Community College in Perkinston, Mississippi, and there's probably 500 teenagers there, and so we're leading music at this camp, and I won't forget one group, they just hated the songs we were doing, they hated the music, and looking back, I probably wouldn't like it so much now either, but they were like, this is terrible, and so they stood up and just stomped, walked out, made a big scene, marched out, and I was like, I was up there playing music, I'm 19 now, I'm just kind of getting into church, really, and I'm like, why would they do that? Why don't they just storm out of church? A year later, same camp. This, that year, I'm leading it myself. The, the year before, I was just helping. I'm leading it. It was 600 people or more that year. And another group gets up and, and storms out. Turns out that was my wife's church. <laughs> we didn't really know each other well then, but they stormed out. I'm like, what's going on here? A few months later, I'm at another church in a place called Loosedale, Mississippi, which is where my wife is from. We go, to, we go to lead music at this church, and we're going to have one of our guys preach. And the pastor walks up before the service. You'll like this, Jason. Right before the service. I'm, we're sitting in the front row. He walks up, and he hands me a sheet of paper. And I grab it and look at it, and he says, These are the songs we want you to play this morning. And, of course, I was, I was young. I was a little more young and smart alecky back then. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> He's like, you have to do that. I said, I would rather leave than play these songs you just handed me. I said, I've already picked out my songs, prayed about my songs. I got my songs. And this, his church, he was the pastor. He said, all right, do your songs. And he went and stood outside during the service. Stood outside. I was like, that was weird. Fast forward a few years later, I'm directing choirs. I don't know why I had no business doing that. I was directing a choir. We picked out, a, we picked out this musical. It was a Sunday morning right before service. We are like two weeks away from doing the musical. These two ladies came in there, and they slammed the books down on my desk. I mean, slammed them on my desk. I was like, everything okay, ladies? We quit. <laughs> we hate these songs. You've been practicing for like three months. You hate them now? They quit, but they didn't like the songs. Fast forward a couple years later. I got too many of these stories. And I'm not giving you all, all of them. Fast forward a few years later, I'm sitting in church. It's a really large, pretty large sanctuary. I'm up at the piano tuning my guitar. And one lady's sitting there. She came early. I don't know why she came early. Um, I have no idea. She's sitting out there. I'm up here tuning my guitar, enjoying the peace and quiet of an empty sanctuary, getting my head ready for the service that will start in a little while. She says, she looks like this, real mean face. She said, you playing that guitar this morning? <laughs> I'm up there tuning it, dong, dong. I look out and I go, I'm planning on it. <laughs> kind of smart, Alec. 
And she was like, ugh. And so that morning I got up, plugged my guitar in, I grabbed my volume knob, and I went, a little bit louder than normal. Um, same church, different person, an, an older gentleman in a deacon's meeting with red face, I'll never forget it. He said, I just wish I could take a knife and cut those strings off your guitar. And I, smart aleck, said, I wish you would. I need some new ones, and I, I can get a replacement. You know. And he could have probably bought my new, my, me a new guitar. But he was so angry. He was so angry at the guitar. He hated it. Some of y'all might hate it. I don't know. But he hated it. By the way, all these th- people I'm talking about, when they leave church on Sunday morning, they get in their car, they turn on the radio and listen to music with guitar. All these people I'm talking about. None of them go out and turn their music on and they listen to piano and organ music when they ride down the road. So I'm just giving you those examples to say, and that's only a few. I have a few more in my head I just won't share right now, but God has made it so that we can praise him in diverse ways, whether we like it or not, right? And there might become a time in your life, and we want to make sure our praise is in order right here. And so I, I personally prefer less instruments, although I see nothing wrong with having some other ones. But our preferences, right, does not overcome God's word. Our preferences do not supersede God's word. And he has shown us in his word there is a diverse way to praise him. There just is. Now we're called to sing and we're called to use things to, to praise him, but there is a diversity in worship. Let me explain it like this. I stand up here every week and sing songs, right? And Mark has never come up here and sing a song. Probably not going to, no. But Mark can praise God just as much as me out there in the lobby area, encouraging people, talking to people, just being, doing what he does, right? Some of our ladies have never been up on this platform, but they praise God just as much as we do by teaching our children and helping in other ways, right? God has made it that there are diverse, a diverse amount of ways, many ways, to praise him. Are we going to keep using music to praise him? Yep, every week. But we're, going to, we're also going to praise him in our prayers, our sermons, in every way we possibly can. Today, at the end of the service, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, and this is a way of praise where we're thinking about and retelling and recounting what God has done through Christ. There's a diversity of ways to praise. Let me add to that before I move on. Whether it's me or Jason or any other pastor you might have in the future, be kind to that person because you don't know how it affects them, especially before a worship service. That's the worst thing to do is go to a pastor before a service or a Sunday school teacher or anybody and tell them something difficult that's going to that's hinder their service. Um, just a note there. Number five, the people of praise. The people of praise, I see this in verse six, where he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, every one of us in here has breath, right? We can breathe. We're alive. And if we are alive, if we are in Christ, we are commanded here to praise him. And again, you don't have to have a position. 
place on this platform up here, you can praise him. And in Scripture, as I look through some different things about praise in Scripture, it often in Scripture is very joyful. Often in Scripture, it's even loud and boisterous. And I, I know some of their culture is different than some of our culture, but there are some loud praising in the Scripture. There's some people uh, praising through dance in the Scripture, which we're not going to do here this morning, but I'm just saying. There are, there's very joyful, boisterous, at sometimes shouting in praise. Do you remember Luke 19, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and the people start praising him, and they say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in, in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees looked at Jesus and they said, you need to rebuke these people that are worshiping you, that are praising you. You need to call them down because they shouldn't be praising you like this. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if they don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out. Jesus said, if everyone else stops worshiping me, I could just make the creation worship me. But I don't know about you, I don't want the rocks to cry out. I want us to cry out. I don't want God to have to be like, you know what, I'm going to just make just creation worship me. No, we who have been redeemed, we have, who have been saved, should praise Him. And that leads me to my last point, number six. And I get this from not only Psalm 150, but all the Psalms. Notice the tone of praise. We've talked about it before, but our praise should have a joyful seriousness. I want to talk about both those words. First, the word seriousness. When I say seriousness, I mean our praise should be biblical and reverent. And reverent does not always mean quiet, but I do think reverency leaves room for some quiet. That makes sense. It doesn't mean we always have to be quiet, but it leaves room for, um, for prayer and for Bible reading, and for just contemplation of Scripture. And so there should be a seriousness. There should be a seriousness when it comes to our worship. At our church, every Sunday and Wednesday, before and after service, I hear laughter. People are, some people are joking, picking with each other. I hear good conversations and laughter, and that's amazing. And even during our service, there might be a, a laugh here or there. But for the most part, I pray the tone of our time together, especially on Sunday mornings, is a serious tone, a reverent tone. Well, we recognize we're not here just to see each other this morning. We're not here just, just to go through some religious motions, but we are here truly to meet with God through the sermon and prayer and praise. We're here to worship Him, and we, we understand that this is an important time because someone might be sitting here, and God might use this time and a sermon even like this to change them. We just don't ever know, do we? We don't know what sermon God's going to use, what song He might use, what scripture reading He might use. We just don't know. I asked permission to share this, and I don't know when it was, but... Uh, few months ago, I guess, John Addison was sharing in the Wednesday night group out here, and 
I didn't even know the story. He had not even told me this yet. But he was telling me that one time, a year and a half ago, or whatever it was, he came to church, and we were having Sunday school back there, and I was teaching a lesson on the Holy Spirit. Honestly, can't remember the lesson. I'm teaching a lesson on the Holy Spirit, and I'm just, probably like most Sundays, just teaching. I mean, you know, assuming everybody's there, and everybody's following Christ, knows Christ. And, and you can ask him his full testimony, but he basically just said, as I was teaching on the Holy Spirit, God just kind of began to deal with him and work with him. And his eyes were kind of open to some things he didn't really, he never really heard said that way before or presented that way before. And then we came out to the service and I preached on that similar topic. And his testimony, I believe if I'm right, John Essen, is that going to church his whole life, made professions of faith, but in that moment, God truly gave him a new heart. Am I right saying that? And he tells it way better than I do. But my point is this, we don't know on a given Sunday, Wednesday, in here, we don't know what message, what, what conversation we might have with each other. We don't know what might God might use to lead that person to him. And so that means to me, we must take our services seriously. Not that we don't smile, not that we don't laugh sometimes, not that we don't have joy, but there is a seriousness to it, a reverence to it. I want to be a part of a church that when people come in, they say, they are, they're reverent. I actually don't even mind it if somebody says they're a little too serious. I would take that as a compliment. But we don't leave out the, the first part. Because when we praise, there should be joy. There should be joy because joy is what is the tone of these of many of these psalms especially these last five psalms if you go back and read the last five there's a tone of joy in the lord it's really hard to read psalm 150 and just sit quietly i mean it's impossible because they're banging loud cymbals in psalm 150 they're playing a trumpet i mean if we brought a trumpet here and blew it that would blow our ears out right that'd be loud we should try it and so it's impossible just to say our worship is completely quiet all the time. There is a joy to it. And so I pray that we would find a good balance of reverence toward God and joy in Him. I pray that for us individually and us as a church. And I pray that no matter what songs we sing, what scriptures we read, no matter what orders of service we put together, that the most important thing is we are honestly, genuinely, passionately, reverently seeking to praise God every time we come together. If we can do that, we'll be heading down the right path of, of praise and worship. In Psalm 1, which we studied a while back, it says blessed, it starts with the word blessed, right? Blessed is the one that walks according to the word, basically. So Psalm 1 says, if we walk according to him, we'll be blessed. That's how the psalm start. And now look at how they end with the word hallelujah or praise. And to me, this resembles what our life should be. Starting with the word, following Christ through the word, with the ups and downs of life, just as we see in the psalms. 
and hoping and praying that our life ends with a hallelujah. Not here, but in eternity, where with all the saints we'll sing things like, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. In just a moment, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, and we're going to recount God's work in sending Christ. Um, again, we take this as a time of joyful seriousness as we approach this table. Um, we take it because Christ commanded it. The church continued it. We take it remembering Christ's sacrifice for our sins. We take it proclaiming the Lord's death until His second coming. And we take it first we take it after we examine ourselves. So we must examine our hearts. We're going to do that now. And so would you take a moment to bow in prayer?